0: Now you can stand as we approach the Word of God. Good to see you this morning. Happy Mother's Day again to the moms, and uh I'm gonna do something really wild. I'm gonna preach a Mother's Day message. How about that? Uh, so uh, you know what a what a great day. I don't know of a better day to dedicate a child than on Mother's Day. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, and he has spoken so much about the grace of God in the earlier chapters in Ephesians, and now he turns and starts giving some instructions. He says in verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord. How many knows that would be wonderful if that was fulfilled all the time? Any parents want to say amen to that? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then he says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Can you say amen to God's word? Well, in those few little four verses, you got everybody involved. You got the children, uh, you got the parents and, uh, Paul's talking about family. He goes on uh, to talk about in the preceding chapter husbands and wives and gives commands in regard to that. And so uh, sometimes this gets a little confusing to to grace people because this wonderful promise uh, that the Apostle Paul spoke of and quoted, he lifted it right straight out of the law. And uh, But we're not under the law because this is the man through the power of the Holy Spirit that taught us that we're no longer under law, but we're under grace. But yet here he actually lifts this commandment, which is in the law, and uh, actually one of the Ten Commandments. And he speaks that to the church at Ephesus. And uh, he says that that, uh, honor your mother and your father. Now, we have in our American culture, we separate the days. We'll do this again in June for the father's. And today has been a day, and and rightly so. I guess this is a day where we can just focus specifically on mom. And then in June, we can focus specifically on the fathers. And there's nothing wrong with that. But when the Bible speaks of honoring, it always links them together. Honor your mother and your father. And it it always talks about family. And the further away that we move from the concept of family is the further away that we move from the kingdom. Because the kingdom of God is essentially a family family made up of fathers and children and sons and daughters. And, in fact, we're sons and daughters of the Most High God. And so that's what God is. He's a father, our heavenly father, and it's a family. But what happens on the flip side? What if we don't honor our father our father and our mother? Now, he said to honor them, but what if we don't? And I'm not encouraging that, but what happens then? Well, uh, if you're familiar with the old covenant, uh, if you didn't keep the rules, you had some bitty, pretty, pretty, uh, Hard consequences. So Exodus 21, 17, you don't have to put it up or anything. It just says that if you don't honor your father and mother, if you got a a child that is cursing their father and the mother, uh, you put them to death. How many glad we're not under that deal right now? How many of you wouldn't have been here to lift your hand if that would have been in force? And um, so Paul, why doesn't he mention that part? In other words, he's quoting from the law. Why doesn't he include that following verse in that command? Because we're not under the law now and Paul knows it. And and so that's what we want to look at today. I just entitled this, uh, uh, Give Them Grace. Give them grace. Give who grace? Everybody. Because we all need it. Give parents grace. Give grandparents grace. Give children grace. Give me grace while I try to preach this this morning. Because if I do all this in my notes, I'm going to get in trouble. So I got an asterisk, by. I'm going to make that optional whether I include it or not. Just see how, you, how I feel and you feel when we get down that far. Okay? So uh, it's going to be a little bit different today. But it should be different sometimes in, in regard to speaking on these type of things that involve family, mother, father, children. And so, Father, we would come to you and we thank you for our moms. We thank you for Mother's Day. I thank you for my mom, and we, 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 we bless them today in your name, for they are blessed of the Lord. And so we thank you for the wisdom and the grace that they've imparted to us and are imparting to us. We thank you for the word of God that is instruction in life to us today. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said. Now turn around and look at somebody before you sit down and say, Welcome to Grace Point. You're looking mighty good today. Now, I want you to see something. The Apostle Paul here, he doesn't mention the punishment side that comes with those commands. What Paul says will happen if you don't keep them is nothing. He doesn't say anything because we're under grace now. Now, do you see the difference in that? How many's ever heard of the expression carrots and sticks? In other words, that's the picture of the person on the, on the horse of the mule and they're holding out a carrot, but... You know, if you do good, you get the carrot. If you don't do well, you get the stick, okay? That's pretty much how the world operates. That's how the world works. And, uh, but that's not how the kingdom functions, and that's not the picture of grace in the Word of God. And so what you see here is honoring your parents. How many knows that's always a good thing to do, regardless of whether we're under grace or not? That's a good thing to do. Can somebody say amen to that? And so whether you're under grace or under law, it's always right to honor your parents, honor your mother and your father. But listen, the reason we do it, we're not righteous because we honor our parents. We honor our parents because we are righteous. In other words, we've received the righteousness of God. We've become the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, we display that and we live out of the reality of what God's done for us. And so we honor our mother and father, not because of some... Uh, command that we have to follow, but because it's the right thing to do. Can somebody say amen to that? So this is something that a house of grace will do. This is something that, that people of grace will do. They will honor their mother and, and their father. And uh, But one thing I wanted to, to talk about today specifically is I've been asked this a lot over these last few years. Uh, people have sent this. Some of you sitting here uh, today have asked me uh, personally about this. And, and this, is, this is kind of how the question goes. Well, how do you parent children under the grace message? How do you raise children or train children up? And, and how, how is that different uh, under the message of grace? And so a lot of times I'm asked about uh, grace-based parenting sometimes. And that, that terminology has got to be a real popular phrase uh, recently, grace-based parenting. Parenting and, and how do you do that? Let me say something. If you're sitting here and you don't have kids and you think you came on the wrong Sunday, you're, you're a kid. And, and God's your father. And, you, and, and, and everything I'm going to say is going to apply to everybody in here. Okay? So, so grace-based parenting, uh, that's why I'm saying, what is that? It's giving them grace. It's giving them what God gave to us. And so, in, in an example, I'll go back as far as yesterday. Okay. Now, I love my grandbabies, and you know that, and I, don't, I hate to get started on it because it will be here all day. But yesterday, I had two of them with me, and I uh, had, uh, and Addie, my little granddaughter, she's three. Uh, so I'm going to carry them to uh, Chick fil A because that's where, you know, children eat. And so we're going to Chick fil A. But I said, we're not going in because if I go in, that means we've got to work the playground, and I didn't have time to work the playground. So I said, I said, on the way there, Brother Aiden was with us, and I said, Now, listen, we're going to go through the drive through and I said, Then we're going to park the truck, and we're going to have a picnic. And they like that. Okay, and so we're going to picnic in my truck, which means we're going to trash Poppy's truck in the back with Chick-fil-A. And when you go through, you got to order. You got to specifically ask for five, four at least, but he wanted five Polynesian sauces. Because not only does Polynesian go on all the chicken, but it goes on all the fries. Brother Aiden, he got to have, you know, he, he ain't eating it without a sufficient amount of Polynesian sauce. So you just might as well just ask for five Polynesian sauce. And if you're going to charge me extra, I'll pay whatever it is. Got to have them. And then, he, he just, you know, you just go, you're you going through all this. It's just, and and uh, but as soon as we left the house, now I'm going to go there. I'm going to go get my truck washed. And then I'm going to do a crazy thing. I'm carrying both of them by myself to public grocery store to buy some groceries. And I've done that before. Can you believe I was going to do it again? We'd been out of town all week, and we didn't have any groceries, so we needed something to eat. And I did all that with them. Now, from the time we, I put her in the car seat all the way, uh, she's uh, singing a tune from The Greatest Showman. Uh, not, you know, it'd be, it'd be cool if it was the whole song, but we don't get the whole song. Uh, we get, we will come back home. Now, hearing we will come back home, you know, it's cute. It's wonderful. But she's singing it loud. And Aiden is correcting her on the uh, lyrics because she says we will come back home. And then she says, oh, Yeah. And Aiden is arguing with her and saying, that it ain't no, oh yeah, and that ain't what it says. And they're going back into, and she's telling him to shut up. And she's singing with all her might all the way to Chick-fil-A while we're ordering she's singing, we will come back home. I have to tell, I said, like I used to tell her mama sometime when she was outside, so I said, Addie, babe, why don't you rest your jaws a little bit? <laughs> Just rest your jaws. But it never works, and she didn't rest her jaws. She just kept on singing, and I heard it about 100 times, you know, and you go, you know, what's what's the purpose in that? I mean, what what is she doing? Well, you know, when I was a parent, I'm a totally different man now as a grandparent as I was as a parent. And if my children, Kristen, you want to say amen, babe? Okay, because she says that's not, the way I do now is not the guy that raised them, and that's true, that's true. Uh now one thing I want you to understand is that her singing now instead of it like maybe as a parent, I may have seen that after a little while as something that was annoying and say, you know, knock it off or that's enough of that, or no way I do that now. And I'm not saying up here I'm God's gift to grandparenting. Uh I'm God's gift to my 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 children, my grandchildren. <laughs> and what you gotta understand is now when all that singing. That's just her little three-year-old way of expressing joy. She's going to town with Poppy. Now, she knows she's going to get some stuff. <laughs> Wherever we go, she's going, to get, she's going to get extra stuff. So we go through, and Aiden said, Ask them, Do they got them peach uh, milkshakes yet? And so I asked the lady, "Did you all have peach milkshakes? And she said, Not yet. She said, They'll be coming soon. Aiden's in the back going, Oh. He says, well, tell her we want some uh, uh, dream something. He said, don't, don't call it ice cream, poppy. It's not ice cream at Chick-fil-A. It's dream something. Dream. If y'all know what it is, don't make me just suffer. What is it? Huh? Yeah, what he said. So they said they want two of them whatever Aiden wants, Addie says she wants one of them too. And, uh, so we, we got to do that. And, 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 and you say, well, why are you talking to us about all that? Well, everything that was going on there was just a sign of, of a happy child. And the singing is an expression of that from a three year old that that's just the way they, they express that. And, uh, but how can you parent what you don't understand? Uh you, you can't. How about that advice? You can't. At least you can't parent it fully and completely. In other words, you can teach your kids to love people. You can teach your kids manners. You can teach them to share. But at the end of the day, listen to me, that child is going to turn into a person that this world has not yet seen. You hear me? Because every person, you included, there's never been a duplicate, never been another, never will be another. And of the six Uh, a billion people that have lived from Adam and have lived and died to the seven billion that's on the planet right now, there's never been two just alike in any way. And that's the uniqueness and the creativity and the awesomeness of God displayed in you. Because, in other words, we're created in God's image. And it, it takes more than 13 billion people to express the image of God. You understand that, and, and so only God knows how those children are going to turn out. And so, b- besides just listen, besides just grace-based parenting, I want you to be encouraged to, to have some faith-based parenting, faith-based parenting. And, and what do you mean by that? I, I mean you just need to trust God to father our kids. I doesn't mean that you you know neglect your responsibility, but but you just trust God. So so. You say it like this. If God can take care of me, an adult, then God can take care of them. And God's got a purpose and God's got a destiny and God's got a plan for them just like he does for that little fella we dedicated a while ago. And so don't beat yourself up about it. If if you feel like you're a little bit out of control, listen to me. Here goes some major thing. You're not supposed to be in control. Not completely. You're never going to be completely in control because if you were in control, then you wouldn't, be any, you wouldn't need faith. You wouldn't need faith at all. So what is grace-based parenting? What, what, what is that? Well, I knew you'd want a definition, so this is, this is what I believe it is to me. Grace-based parenting means that I'm going to raise uh, children in an environment where they are treated the same way that God treats us. What are you talking about? I'm talking about these are the primaries. With unconditional love, unending forgiveness, and a steadfast acceptance. And never alter on those three. Okay? I heard somebody say, say it again. So if you, grace-based parenting means that you're going to raise children in an environment where they're treated in the same way that God treats you. And, and that is displayed with unconditional love. Not love just doled out as a reward based on their behavior. Okay? Unending forgiveness. Now, you knew when you had that kid that they weren't going to be perfect, right? Now, I know they look perfect laying in the bassinet at the hospital, but they're not going to be perfect. You had no sense to know that, right? I hope you did. And so they're not perfect. So, listen, if you've got a goal to raise perfect children, then you're messed up because that's not going to happen. You're not perfect, and you're not going to raise perfect children, okay? And so then a steadfast acceptance, that they know that they're always accepted. So listen, grace-based homes where these children grow up, they're not homes without sin, okay? They're, they're, they're not homes that don't have any regrets, but they're homes where, no ma- listen to me, no matter what happens or no matter what you do, you will never be written off as my kid. Now I know I'm going. To, I'm going to wade into some stuff, and I told you I'm going to get in trouble. But you just, you just, you just don't, you just don't ride them off. Now I'm not no expert, but I have raised three grown kids, and now they've blessed me with grandbabies. I'm much wiser now. I wish I could turn back the clock and 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 do with my kids the way I, I'm doing with my grandkids, but I can't. Can't do nothing about that. Okay. Now, you don't have to agree with everything I say, but I'm not going to agree with you because that would make both of us wrong. Okay? I'm teasing. You, listen, this is not about one, two, three. This is not about rules. This is not about regulation. This is not about do like I do, do what I say. The grace-based parenting is not about that at all. You understand when them kids come, they don't come with an owner's manual, nor do they come with a guarantee. Okay? Now, some of you parents feel real guilty because your, your kids didn't turn out the way that, you know, that you think they should or that you know they should. In other words, and then if you listen to some people, it heaps on you the, the you know, the, the the guilt, which is false, of, you, you know, the reason your kids like it is because you're a bad parent. Well, if you take that logic, then you have to say God's a bad God. Because God was a perfect parent. He put his kids in a perfect place. They had no needs in a perfect environment, and they blew it. Does that make God bad? no it just makes they got a free will choice okay and so so y- y- you're just not written off and I remember I've seen all of my I've seen all three of my children uh go through tough times uh if they they they're staying in the earth they're gonna go through some more of them okay they're not always going to do what you want them to do and I remember i you know watching my children at times just different ones of them go through tough times and and no matter what they did i just i'm i'm you know when god began to deal with me many years ago and i began to see his love and grace i just said i'm not gonna i, I even i would tell my kids i said if y'all get grown and get mad at me and just say i'm you know i'm done with you daddy i said what you're gonna look out your front door and see is me out there with a bible and a bottle of water in the pup tent now I say I'm just going to count my butt out in your yard and fast and pray till you know I love you. I've had my grown kids be upset with me about something. And I'm still just going to go right up in there, kiss them, and say, Daddy loves you. And they didn't say I love you back that time. But I'm still going to do it because I'm not giving up on my kids. I remember I saw one of my children go through one of the toughest times that they ever had in their life. And uh, I said, It's me and you against the world. That kid never forgot that. It's like the biggest milepost in his life. Never forgot that. Never forgot that. I've gone through some really tough times in these last few years myself. And he he's even takes that back to me Me and you, Daddy, against the world. <laughs> That's what family does. None of our families are perfect, and we all could have done better. What I, what I don't understand is, is all these conditional things. I've had family blood kin, blood runs through their veins the same as, you know, genetics we're talking, because you don't believe like they believe. Or when I begin to preach the message of grace, family broke me off. Never spoke to me again, never communicated with me again. You see all the pictures on Facebook of am having fish fries, but you ain't there. Why? Because you don't believe like they believe. They want you to believe in a God that bashes people in the head and, you know, and threat, you know, you know I'm, I'm not that guy no more. I used to be that guy. So I got mercy for people that are still like that. But you, you, just, you just ain't coming to the revelation of the goodness of God. I was raised with people that sung Amazing Grace but never did seem very amazed by it. But now I'm watching people like the praise team today singing about God's amazing grace. And they look like and sound like, and I could feel the Holy Ghost goosebumps that they're amazed by it. And I'm amazed by it of God's grace. And I haven't got it all figured out. I haven't explored the depths of it. But God was, it was far better, is far better than anybody ever told me he was. I feel a little bit ripped off. I'm a little bit ill about it. I wish that they'd have done a little better job instead of telling me that God was the guy that he's not. I remember it messed me up in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to save other people from having to go through decades of dumbness. Like I did. Trying to convince God to love me. Thinking that he loved me one day, hated me the next. That God sits in a swivel chair, one day I'm doing good, he's facing me. If I do bad, he turns his back on me. All that kind of crazy stuff, there's big sermons and all of it, but that's not who God, that's not who God is. So a grace-based family, those children know this. You're going to be loved unconditionally. We don't love what you do but all the time, but we love you. And we, and we love you not based on any performance. We love you because you're mine, okay? And so it means that, that, that meeting the primary needs of children are this, that they have a need for significance and for security. That's why when you get around any little kid, it's always, watch this, daddy. Watch this, poppy. Watch this, mama. Watch this. Why, what, they want you to brag on them. They want, that, what's that? Significance. It gives them Significance. That's why when you go to these plays and all this stuff at the schools, they, I mean, they could do a horrible job. We don't care. We're standing up applauding and just going crazy, and they don't even remember their lines. They can, you know, I mean, all kinds of stuff. I mean, you see that, and that's wonderful. That's, that's part of it. But don't do it just at the school thing. Do it at the house when ain't nobody watching, okay? And, and so that, that, that's, to me, that's what, what grace is. And, and uh, when, when you meet that need for security, And significance. We're talking about security. I'm talking about just loving them unconditionally. They're securing that. How in the world can you get a kid or a teenager to join a gang? Well, they just about know they're going to lose their life at some point. I mean, they see buddies sitting there in the gang meeting, you know, today, and they're not there tomorrow. And they went to their funeral. I mean, how do you keep getting kids? I mean, what kind of recruiter must you be? To get these kids in these gangs, they say Valdosta is filled with gangs, just in our paper in the last few weeks. just gangs all over Georgia, gangs around here. I mean, how do you get a kid to join a gang? Because the gang gives them identity, gives them significance, and they think it gives them security. Somebody's got their back. It's, it's, it's messed up. But, that, but that's, what, that's what everybody's looking for. They're looking for acceptance. We accept you. You wear our colors. We accept you. you. You know, we got your back. Somebody mess with you, then they got to deal with us. See, that's what they're looking for. That's, that's, that's your mom and daddy's job. Man, the hardest thing I have to do, and some of y'all know me well enough that you won't really know this is amen, but if you, if you mess with my kids, my wife, my youngest, the grandbabies, I ain't even saved. I ain't you no know, close to saved. You ain't, you ain't seen the devil like you mess with my family. You'll go. That man ain't never been saved, and you <laughs> ain't even close to salvation. I told I told you when I got back in the publisher, I said, listen. I said I don't know if it's called Mother Day or what, but I said that grocery store was packed, and I said people was rude, and I said you know. So I got Addie in the buggy. Age playing all around the buggy, just roaming, you know. And then he's standing in the aisle one time, and I'm. Since Jill got me a list, you know, I'm trying to get it and mark it off. Anyway, I want to open that can right there, how that works. <laughs> she got stuff wrote out. You would think I ain't never been to the grocery store in my life. Boy, she went over that list with me before I left the house. I tell her, I know what cheese is. I know, I mean, we've been married 39 years. I know. Come on. And then she's still calling me. And then she said, she said, now, I want this kind of almond milk. I don't even know why you drink that mess. But almond milk. She's, and she's holding up the bottle, the jug of the old one. She said, now, do you want me to take a picture of it and send it to your phone? Y'all know I still came home with the wrong almond milk yesterday. man." <laughs> As soon as I got home, that woman looked at that, she said, that's the wrong kind. <laughs> I said, no, heaven, it ain't. It says right there on there, unsweetened almond milk. I said, well, that beige color one that you showed me, I said, they didn't have that one in the store. <laughs> then she wants specific kind of spinach packets of spinach. So I'm telling her it don't have. It. I know if I come home without it, this is always her mark. See, as a man, I look forward, if it's, if, it's, if it's baggable, I would kill it and eat it. I'd get it. I'm a hunter. No, she said, did you ask somebody? It's not, it, you are not given any grace unless you ask an employee. So I call her, baby, they ain't got it. I'm looking at it. I know what it looks like. I, they ain't got it. They, you know, either they, they out of it, whatever. She said, did you ask somebody? Maybe they got it in the back. <laughs> Why do you think they want to keep all that in the back if they're trying to sell it out here in the front? <laughs> I go ask the first man I see in the produce section, and then I tell her it, they don't have it. She, that ain't good enough. We got to go to that man's supervisor. So I get the man in the tie to come out there and talk to me. And then they go over there, and he said, We're just out of it. We've not, because the other fella told me they quit carrying it. Oh, my God. I told her they quit carrying it. <laughs> and then she says, Okay, well, you just going to have to buy a spinach, and then you've got to buy this, and you've got to get some almond sliced. I said, Listen here. I said, I got two kids. I said, That ain't finna happen right here. <laughs> I said, Now, nah, I'm going to tell you that ain't happening. I said, I'll do something. I'm going to bring home something green. And we put salad dressing on it. And that's what we did. But it's just different. And what you got, what you got to see is, is it, give them grace. Give them grace. A lot. See, listen, when you give security and significance, then what that's going to turn into is a hope in that kid that's unshakable. Um. A lot of parents, I'm not trying to offend nobody, okay, but a lot of parents are motivated by fear more than faith when it comes to raising their children. Now, a lot of this stuff, I've done that, I mean, I'm not saying I'm a perfect grandparent, okay, but listen, this fear usually manifests itself in one of two ways, either with extreme legalism, a legalistic approach, or with a permissive, Parenting style, just do anything, it don't matter, just do anything, you know. And a parent that wants to be the child's friend instead of being their parent. And I think you can actually be both, especially when they get older, you know. And so I don't think you have to just pick and choose. But when a child does something that they believe, listen to me, that will lead to punishment, then if they are a young, real young child, your younger child, they'll hide. They'll hide themselves, You know, because they don't—they don't want to get caught. Um, An older child will hide the evidence. Chris, don't make me tell stories about you. What you did? Be hiding stuff. I'm like, where—where'd this beer cap come from? Well, Daddy, you know, he, we was down at the cabin, but, you know, the, sometimes the creek floods and then it washes up. Uh, <laughs> looks kind <pretty> of fresh. <laughs> looks fresh to me. All that fun stuff. You remember all that? But, see, I remember when Austin was this uh, little guy. Uh, you know, grandpas, we don't always do stuff, right? So my, my daddy... Gave him a, a, what you call double X case pocket knife. And if you know anything about pocket knives, a double X case, I mean, that's a sharp, that, that, that knife arrives sharp. You ain't got the sharp, man. It's a case double X, you know what I'm saying? It's, it is sharp. So my daddy gives him that. And, of course, I say, you know, Daddy, he ain't old enough to have that. So I take it away from him. And by saying now this is yours, this is your knife. But you just ain't at the maturity level right now to have something cut your arm off. So I'm going to put this up for a while. Well, sometime later, he gets it out without my knowledge. And then he goes missing for a little while. And I'm looking for him. And I'm I'm not making this up. And so I'm walking around our barn where we used to live. And I actually see blood. That's not a good sign. I used to be a paramedic. I know what blood looks like, okay, for 20 years. So I see blood, and I, start, I, and I knew he was out there, and I'm, I'm hollering. Austin, where are you? And he's circling the, you know, the barn to stay away from me. Well, he has opened up his finger with that pocket knife. I mean, he's, he's bleeding. I mean, he's not cut an artery or nothing, but, I mean, he's bleeding. He's got blood all on his hand, all on his clothes, and he's circling the barn while he's bleeding to keep me from seeing him. Now, you may think, well, you know, but, but adults do that with this father. Because if you see God as a God who doles out punishment based on your behavior, then you'll hide from him. You won't come to church. You'll hide. You'll stay home when you mess up. Well, I didn't come to church because I was down. Man, if I didn't come to church every time I was down, I'd miss half the year. <laughs> Maybe not that much, but... <laughs> How you always down on Sunday and up on Monday, up to the job on Monday? People say, I don't believe in miracles. Man, I see people so sick they can't even drive to church on Sunday and on Monday they headed to work in their car. <laughs> the Lord has raised them up. Hallelujah. He does all his best healing on Monday morning. <laughs> Y'all come back next Sunday to be better. I just wasn't prepared today. <laughs> what was I talking about? Austin, with the knife. The point is, he was hiding from the person that could help him. And listen, and he suffered longer than he needed to. Do you think I spanked that kid for that? Heck no. I'm like, son, now this is why I told you, you know, that you just ain't quite at the level to have his pocket knife. And I said, let's, you know, let's go bandage that finger. Don't hide from me now when you get hurt. Don't hide from me. Daddy loves you. You come to me. You don't hide from me. You understand me? Yes, sir. Okay. That's grace. That's grace. Now, I pray to God that you don't whip a kid for that. Now, I'm going to talk about spanking because I brought it up. Now, this is the part that I put asterisks by that said, caution, Dale, don't talk about this. Because you will immediately divide the room. I'm not gonna tell you what to do and I'm not gonna take a stand on one side not to be politically correct because I just flat don't know. How about that? I can't stand somebody to write a book on parenting and ain't got no kids. And I don't want nobody to give me parent advice when yours ain't grown yet. Wait till you raise them up and they're grown, then write your book. And if you ain't 50, I've always said you ain't, don't be writing a book anyway because you don't know nothing. 50 or older. Ooh, preach to this side a little bit. Okay. Jimmy, you praying for me, buddy? I done waited out there in it this morning. But listen, when you're, when you're <laughs> I, you know, that's just not a time to whip a kid because he got the pocket knife out and, and uh, done that. Now, now I just want to say this to you. I'm a whole different deal now, okay? And I'm not saying I'm right. Do you understand what I'm saying? But I ain't near the believer on spankings that I used to be. And I know you say it's because you're a grandpa now. But when I look at my little grandchildren, I, don't, well, I mean, how are you going to hit that? You're going to hit that person. Do you not see how cute she is? <laughs> Can you not see his little eyes? And you gonna, you going to, what, what if you rode by a field in Valdosta in Lowndes County, where a man has sheep? Okay, he's got sheep. Come on now, work with me. And, you, and you're riding by, and this, this, this person that owns his sheep, has his sheep, he's out there with a rod, and he's beating one of them. What would you do? What would you think about the guy that was beating the sheep with a rod? What kind of opinion would you form about that person? I'm, I'm just saying, don't say nothing. I just want you to think about it. Okay. I mean, I'm just saying I'm just trying to say be real. If you if you rode by and a guy was beating a sheep, if he was beating a dog, you'd be on 911 right then. They'll lock you up quicker for beating a dog than they will if you mess with a kid. And so what you get is you hear this phrase, spare the rod and spoil the child. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I never, it's never my heart to trick anybody or anything like that. Or, so I'm not playing any games, so don't raise your hand. Okay? Do you hear me? Don't raise your hand. Don't embarrass yourself. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Just, just as a thought, don't raise your hand. How many of you think that's in the Bible? Don't raise your hand. Just, I just want you to think. Most, if I had to ask you to, you know, I didn't set it up like that. And if I just said, spare the rod, spoil the child. How many of you think that's in the word of God? There'd be a lot of hands go up. A lot of hands. It's not in the Bible. Now, some of you right now think I'm lying. It's not in there. There is no verse in the Bible of any translation that says, spare the rod, spoil the child. There's no verse in there. It doesn't say that. Now, that should surprise some of you. Because I can tell by the look on your face, many of you think it is in there. It is a misquote of the Bible found in Proverbs 13 and 24. And and what it says there is whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Okay? Now, the emphasis is on diligent to discipline is what Proverbs is saying. Now, discipline is not synonymous with spanking. And every time you read the word discipline in the Bible, it does not mean spanking. Now, this same guy that wrote that, Solomon, said whipping is for horses. That's just what he said. Uh, But but what what this verse is saying is a reference to the parents and their role to teach God and correct their children. And what I'm saying, now, some of you may think, well, he he doesn't believe in spanking in any form. I'm not saying that. that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that if you're spanking your kid, you're doing wrong. That's on tape now or CD or whatever we got. So I'm not saying that if you spank that you're a bad person or you're a bad parent. I'm not telling you not to spank. you, You got me? But I'm just saying don't have a toolbox with just one tool in it. Don't have a toolbox with just one tool because that one tool may not fix everything that's messed up. You with me? And so spanking might be a tool in your toolbox that you feel like you need to use. I will say in most cases that is overused. And more often than not, it is a venting of anger from the parents than it is disciplining the children. And you should never do it when you're mad, and you should never leave marks on them. And you know if you do leave a mark, you're terrified they're going to go to school and then marks are going to be seen by some teacher and they're going to lock you up before school gets out. Come on now. If you send your kid in Lowndes County or Valdez to a school and then teachers see marks on that kid, they are very likely going to call social services on you, child welfare and care for the children, right? You know that, right? So... When you do, if, if you believe in that, you got to you got to do it with some with some sense. When the Bible talks about beating a child, th- those verses out of Proverbs, we got one book. There's nothing in the New Testament at all about this. Nothing. Only thing you got even close is Hebrews talks about discipline a child. Who, who if you love a son, he disciplines the son that he loves. But discipline again is not synonymous with spanking. And I'm just saying that we, you know. I used it way too much when I was, you know, my kid. And you know what's scary as a parent? When you spank a kid, and see, I had three, and they're all three different. If you have eight, they'll all eight be different, okay? But what worked for Justin or what worked for Kristen sometimes didn't work for Brother Austin. And I remember I spanked him, and you know, because he's coming home with all these notes and these you know, caution stuff from the teachers. And, stuff. and so I spank him, you know, and send him back to school. I think we're going to have a good day. Come back home with worse notes. <laughs> so what was my one toolbox approach? Spank again. Try to put it on a little harder this time. Let him remember it. Send him again. Think that cured it? No. And I remember as a parent, listen to me, I got so afraid because my one tool wasn't working and I didn't have another tool. I was a lawgiver, not a grace parent at that point. I said, You do this, you obey this. If you don't, here's the consequences. It wasn't working. And I remember being so afraid, talking to my wife and saying, I don't know what I'm going to do with him. It, it's not working. I mean, one time I told him, I said, Listen, buddy, daddy loves you. Man, you got to straighten this up. And I don't know which is going to wear out first, your behind or my arm. That's exactly what I told him. I said, but if I'm a bet man, I'm going to bet it's going to be your butt for it's my arm. And I said, if I have to, i whip you every day until you get, you, 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 you're going gonna to get in line. Well, you can say you're going to whip your kid every day, but you don't, and because it, it don't work. Why keep doing something that's not working? So I started questioning my parenting approach. I didn't know anything about grace back really in those days, not, not really. I didn't, I didn't know, and I love my kids more than anything. But I, I just, and I'm, when I'm talking about kids, I'm talking about you as adults. adult. I'm talking about giving them kids the same thing God gives you. Now, I know some of you think that God, when he gets mad with you, he whips you. He don't. I don't care what the preacher told you. There's nowhere that, nowhere in the New Testament. God don't beat his kids. Jesus has already suffered all the punishment and the wrath for sin, and there is no more left. He, he, he sucked it all up in himself. Now, when you do wrong decisions, you suffer consequences, but it ain't Papa God in heaven putting it on you. You're just, you're just, you're, you're just doing things that, that cause consequences. Sin's got its own built-in problems, but it's not God doing it to you. He's not punishing you. Jesus already bore the punishment. And, and by the way, you know, when we talk about the, the wrong, you know, spare the wrong, all that kind of stuff, do you, you ever read Psalm 23? It talks about the rod in there, too. And, and what, it, what it says, it says, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. With well, a rod I got wasn't no comfort in that. So how, how, we, how, we, how we relate those verses. J- Jesus said, I'm your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He don't beat his sheep. Anybody ever heard a stupid sermon about the shepherd loves his sheep so much that he'll break their leg if they keep wandering off from the flock? All that is just, I'll give you a word in Greek for that, bull. It's ridiculous. No shepherd and no agrarian farmer would ever break the leg of his livestock to keep them in check. It's ridiculous. And I've sat under insane sermons like that. God will break your leg. Get your attention. You add to gentlemen. He'll put you in the hospital where you've got time to pray. All that kind of mess. All those are lies. And they're, they're blasphemous attacks against the character and nature of God Himself. So, all I'm saying is our goal in parenting is not to raise perfect children, but is to develop kids in the grace of God. And I'm, again, I'm not saying that you shouldn't spank. But I will say this. I'll go on record saying this. I'm already out there now anyway, so it don't matter. Spanking may be an appropriate decision for you if, you, if that's, that's your heart. When a child is extremely in an unsafe situation, extremely unsafe, deliberately defiant and disobedient, and knowing full well and, and continuing to display that kind of attitude, or severely, and I mean severely, disrespectful. But spanking, I want to tell you, is not appropriate when a child is just being a child. They're not to be little adults, they're going to be kids. It's not for impulsive decisions that they made. And it's absolutely not because they knocked off your lamp accidentally and broke it. Anything happens in our house with our grandbabies, their first thing they'll say, and I'm talking about the three-year-old, accidents happen. (laughs) Am I telling the truth? And where do you think they learned that from? I mean, something happens sometimes. I mean, your stuff will get broke, man. And, but you don't spank them for that. They're just being the kid. Well, they threw a ball in the house. Oh, no, they did? My God. I can't imagine a kid throwing a ball in the house. Well, they shouldn't throw. Listen, if you don't want to throw a ball in the house, just put away all the balls and they'll start throwing furniture. I mean, do (laughs) whatever. That's why they invented Nerf stuff. Buy Nerf, it's soft. Well, let me bring this to a close. So what is grace-based parenting? When a child understands that they are totally accepted, I want to tell you what they'll do. They won't hide from you. They'll face, they'll face their failures, and they'll seek help. Uh, grace is not a how-to manual. It's not reducing things down to rules. Now, listen to me. Your kids, your grandkids are not like my my kids or grandkids. So what works for me may not work for you. And that's what I'm telling you. Grace is, listen, grace is less about what you do and it's more about how you do it. Are you hearing me? You can't teach, though, what you don't know. The grace of God is manifold and multifaceted. And there are many, many, many ways to teach it to your children. But one of the worst ways to try to teach the grace of God is to wrap it up in a religious sermon about disobedience and law-breaking. And, and what I'm talking about, preaching the law to your kids and trying to scare them with the law only makes sense if you assume that your kids or your grandkids are hell-bound people. And in other words, if that's your starting point, then you've got a bigger problem than how to reveal grace because you don't understand it at all. All I'm saying is that there's a better way to teach your children, and this is what we did this morning with little Kai. What did we say? His poppy said it. I said it. He's a gift from God. Why do we say that? Because that's what the Bible says. And that has to be your starting point with your kids, that these kids are a gift from God. And and, And every good gift comes from the Father above. And God don't give bad gifts, and he gives good gifts. And one of the good gifts he gives is that child. And you got to start from that. And so they have to be told all the time that they're not a bother, they're not an intrusion, they're not a burden. They are a gift from God. Sometimes I've had me, my grandbaby say, well, you know, Papa, you might need a break, like from them. And I know sometimes you may feel like you need a break from your own kids. But sometimes, don't you need a break from your spouse? Oh, we ain't going to say nothing there, are you? Look straight ahead, sir. She wants it. Well, I gotta go to the office. Yeah, I know why you're just hiding out from the family. That's all you're doing. You need a break. Listen, you might feel like you need a break, but don't ever say you need a break from somebody that's standing in the room with you. My little grandkids said, "Well, you might need a break, uh, Pop." Listen, I said, "I've told him." Listen, I, let me tell you something, son. Poppy, don't never need no break from you, buddy. Never. Never need no break from you. Having you is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I'll go back and I tell him, I said, I, I, I said, I was there when you was born. Our first granddaughter was born. The first one to be a grand was was Lakeland. I was standing right there. And when when I heard that little baby cry, my his tears started running down my face. And I didn't get a chance to walk back and look at her yet because they, you know all that. But when I got to hold her, and then I didn't want nobody else holding her. But me, I was kind of being hoggish. <laughs> it just changes everything. That's what I looked at Stuart a while ago and I said, it Changes your world, don't it, buddy? People can tell you about it. Don't do no. Boy, well, when you get kids of are young, you'll understand. Remember telling them that? I remember hearing that. I didn't understand until I got kids of my own. Now I understand. And then another one now is when you get grandkids of are young, then you'll understand. So now my grown kids, they don't understand the way I am about grandkids. But once those children give them grandchildren, they'll understand. I still hope I'm in the earth to get to see a little bit of that. But I want to tell you this. you got to tell your kids better stories. And I'm ending with this. you got to tell them better stories. One of the things that the grandbabies love to do, particularly one of them, is bedtime stories. I've told Goldilocks so many times I about want to vomit. But she'll never know it. She'll never know it. Three bears, poppy, all that. You may walk in a room and you see all them toys. I remember when I was a parent, my kids were growing up. And as a parent, you know, stuff is just everywhere, everywhere. Toys, strung, whatever. But I remember how lonely I felt when they were all teenagers and gone in their own cars. And I didn't see no more toys scattered nowhere. I said, I'd I'd, I'd give anything to have a room full of toys. So we got a room in our house that's full of toys. You, you walk in that room, and there's giant stuffed animals all around. We can't even get them in the closet. That's why they're on the floor all around that room. And then if you want a stack to fall on, you open the closet. And I'm not exaggerating. I'm, I know there's well over 100 stuffed animals in there. And I bought them all or either one of them with the claw machine. I'm good. Because I don't leave the machine till I come out there most time with one. Because I got some eyes sitting there. <laughs> and I know you don't, you don't matter. I'm not saying it worked for you. And even now, last night, she said, Poppy, let's build something. I said, let's go. You want Poppy to help you uh, get the Legos? And she said, yeah. I said, you want both boxes? And she said, yeah. We get both boxes, go right in the room and turn them upside down. Legos are everywhere. You ever stepped on a Lego with your bare foot? That'll make you holler, hallelujah, Jesus. Or something. I'm just telling you. Now, I know they told you this, and I'm not going to make a statement to a parent, new parent especially. Cherish every moment. Okay? Now, listen to me now. I'm a realist too. Cherish every moment. <laughs> you ain't going to cherish every moment. You can Try. But when you went to that formal event, or like we was at one time with Kristen, we was at a church thing. I'd preach that morning. We had dinner, you know, homecoming, and we was in the social hall. People all around you, and she just projectile threw up everywhere. Then she baby girl. She had that explosion, this way and that way, diapers, and you just, and uh, you know, it was like you know, sorry, my daughter threw up. Oh no, y'all! You know whatever. I mean, I, we, we weren't cherishing that. We had to go back to the parsonage and use the washer and dryer, you know, to, to to wash her clothes. Try to keep her from running around the house naked while we waiting on stuff to get cleaned up again to, for the night service. That wasn't all cherishable moments, but now looking back on them, it wasn't in, it wasn't no big deal. It wasn't no big deal. Just part of life. It's part of having wonderful kids around. You know, and I cause I saw people yesterday in public. I could tell that they were just irritated because I had two kids with me. You could just tell people don't like kids. Something wrong if you don't like dogs and kids. There's something bad wrong with you. And and Aiden was standing there one time in the aisle, and this woman just you come and she, she said, excuse me, excuse me. Whew, she didn't know who I She didn't know who I'd be here. <laughs> she did not know the bomb that was right there. Because you could feel the, you know, I'm, I'm, anyway, I told Jill, because a lot of times now I'm not successful, but I did. I said, I, I told her, I said, that's woman. I said, you. I, said, mm, that close. I, said I bit my tongue. I said, I've been to go off on her. <laughs> but being a pastor in the town hinders me from telling people what I really <laughs> want to tell them. I'm like, woman, I don't know what you've got going, but you ain't that big a hurry or that important. So come here, baby, come out the way. So, this woman can get by. <laughs> About to open up a can up in here. You got to tell your kids better stories. Now, this is it Adam and Eve in the fall. And I used to read my kids' Bible stories. You remember them books you go in doctor's offices and they try to get you to buy them? I bought them, made payments on them. The whole encyclopedia set of Bible stories. And I'm not saying they're bad or anything like that, but I'm saying that those stories now need a little bit of grace adjustment. And so when you go to the Adam and Eve story, it normally goes something like this. I'm not saying in that particular book, but it goes something like this. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. God got angry. He kicked them out of the garden, and he didn't talk to them no more. So don't disobey God. Because if you disobey God, he's going to kick you out of the garden. And you could have lived in paradise, but now you don't get to, now you got to go to work every morning because, you know, God kicked you out, and he got mad with you. So obey your parents. And do what I say. That's normally how the Adam and Eve story goes. And I want to tell you something. It's not true, and that's not the point of the Genesis story of all, at all. And so today, if I'm telling that story to my kids or I'm reading a Bible story, I'm almost done. Listen to me. If I'm telling that story, this is, this is what I tell them. This is what grace does to that story. Because this is, this is the Bible. I'll, I'll say, yes, <clears throat> Adam and Eve fail, if you want to use that terminology. It doesn't say that in Scripture. But I say I would sell my grandbabies. Adam and Eve didn't fall because they disobeyed; they disobeyed because they believed a terrible lie, son. They did not believe the truth. They didn't know their identity in God. They thought they had to do something to be like God, and God had already made them in His image. And so, the lesson out of Adam and Eve's problem, granddaughter or grandson, is to be careful who you listen to. they listened to the wrong person and they believed his lies and that caused them major problems but God didn't kick them out the Bible says that God placed cherubims there to keep the way to the tree of life God said they had to be removed lest they eat of the tree of life in their fallen condition and remain that way eternally forever and God says I love you too much to allow that to happen Everything God's ever done for you or me is for love. And so we just need to tell the stories different. Their disobedience, I would tell my grandchildren, Adam and Eve, their disobedience was a symptom of a far more serious problem. They didn't know who they were, who God made them to be. And so do you see the difference in those two stories? The first message is do what you're told, but the second message is be very careful who you listen to and what you believe. Now, right there is the difference between life and death and the health of our children. And then when I got through telling that story, I'd end with this. I'd look at my grandbabies and say this. Now, what does this story that Papa just told you, what does this story tell you about how much God loves you? And I would listen. Because that's the story of the gospel. From Genesis to Revelation is about the love of God. And so the Adam and Eve story is not a picture of God being angry, kicking people out of paradise. And angry and mad and upset and all that. No. Not fellowshipping with them no more. Even though they disobeyed, they sinned. God came right back, same day, cool of the evening. Adam, where are you, son? Daddy's looking for you. Where you at, son? Why are you hiding from me? Who told you you was naked? Who told you you wasn't gonna make it? Who told you you was a drug addict? Who told you you was a pauper? Who told you these things? Who told you those lies? You gotta be listening. You gotta be careful who you listen to, son. Adam, you're my son. I'm gonna take care of this. I'm gonna take care of your nakedness. I'm gonna take care of your problems. Here. Yeah. Papa made you clothes for you to cover your neck. You tried it with the pig leaves. That won't work, son. I'm older than you. I know you think that'll work. You think that'll fix your marriage. You think that'll it. Fi- it won't fix it, son. That'll blow away like the wind. Here, this'll work. This'll keep you. This'll help you. That's the story that I tell my grandbabies now. And I would saturate it and soak those stories in grace. And I would lift my toolbox and training them, and I'd have... That toolbox is running over now. Why are you angry? Why are you pow- Talk to your kids and your grandkids. Don't hit first, ask questions later. Don't do that. If we're going to get a revelation of grace and God's love and goodness, let's get it to the kids. Let's tell their stories right. Let's let God be the God that he is. Not a punitive, angry Vengeful God. That is not who Yahweh Father is. Not at all. You receive that today. Would you stand to your feet and give God praise if you do. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise you Jesus. Well I want the home group pastors. Our community group leaders. If they'll come and their spouses or whatever, they're, many of them are here, and then our elders would come as well. But we're just here to serve you. I know it's Mother's Day. You're in a hurry to beat the other folks to the restaurant maybe. But we love you guys. We're always here to pray with you, talk to you, meet you. It's our privilege to do so. I'm going to dismiss the church, but if you want prayer for any reason, I want you to come down front and come to one of us and let us have the privilege of praying with you and ministering God's word and grace to you. I pray you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then just put your faith in him. Believe that he died on the cross, was buried, and rose on the third day. You believe that with all your heart. Then just confess him as your Savior. And Romans 10 says you are saved. Believe that. Believe in him. Believe in his goodness. Believe in who he is. Not who you were told he was by religion. God loves you. He's paid the price all for you. There's no carrots and sticks anymore. They're just carrots now. And by the way, Jesus bought all them carrots. You don't have to purchase one of them by anything you'll do. God's here. God loves you. Let that flow in us and, and, and out to our grandkids, out to our children, our great-grandkids, whatever you got. But let us be a, I want to I be a source. I know I ain't going to be on this planet forever. In these formable years before they get them cars, them grandbabies, and they go on riding them roads, but I want to pour into them, and I want to use every teachable opportunity to tell them about who God is. And when their puppy leaves this earth, I want them to know that He taught us about God's grace, God's mercy. Totally accepted. That they're totally accepted. No matter what you do on your worst day, you're you're my son, you're my daughter. You're accepted. I will never reject you. I will never write you off ever. You might write me off, but I will never disown you. I will never forsake you. I will always claim you as my son or daughter, no matter what you do. May not appreciate everything you do. May not agree with all the actions and decisions you make, but you are my daughter. You are my son. And I know in society, and I know people's choices can make some of that stuff real difficult because I get the questions. All I know is the way Papa does it is he said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you, and he puts no conditions on it. No matter what you do, he always claims you and he's always there for you. Help us, Father, to be more conduits of your grace to our children, to adults, and I end the message with the title, Give Them Grace. Give Them Grace is sufficient. It's enough. Amen? Amen. Bow your head, Father. I pray for every person here today, every parent, grandparent, great-grandparent. I pray that we would be those channels of your love and grace and mercy. Let us be epistles read of all men of the grace of God that's in Christ Jesus. Help us, Father, to, to show forth that grace. Jesus came, manifested, full of grace, full of grace and truth. Let that be communicated through our lives, through our actions, what we do. I pray for wisdom to every parent, grandparent, great-grandparent, to help to train up these children in your ways, in the way that they should go. Jesus, you are the way. You're the way. We don't have to search for a way to the way. You are the way, and you are the truth, and you are the life. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.